Well, I, I kept digging and I kept refining, uh, and this may change because everything always changes with Google ads. Like <laughs> yeah. it's never the same, but don't I got it now. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to jinx it, but it's happened a few times now. So it's like, you know, one is lucky two is maybe a fluke. Three is the beginning of a pattern and it's happened yeah. now several times. This is the Indie Dads Podcast. I'm Malcolm. And I'm Brian. And we're a couple of dads sharing our journey about starting out and bootstrapping our indie businesses while still prioritizing our young families. We believe that you can bootstrap a successful SaaS, freelance, or indie business while still enjoying your family life. Join us as we share our learnings from building our businesses from scratch. What's up? Hey, Brian. How are you? Pretty good. Um, you know, getting into holiday spirit here, trying to, it doesn't feel like December to me. So I'm having <laughs> oh, really? a hard time. this year has gone by really fast. So we got the de- Christmas decorations up and stuff, but it still feels like we're just playing pretend. doesn't really feel yeah. like it yet. How about you? No, I think the Christmas spirit, even though, I mean, we haven't done the, uh, <laughs> the Christmas tree and decorations thing, but the holiday spirit is definitely hit. I, I feel I don't really feel like working, to be honest. <laughs> and I, I'm starting to remember again why every December my indie hacking hours are quite a bit less than what they normally are. It's just this time of year when the kids have finished their exams, so they're all on holiday, um, which means the wife doesn't have to wake up so early, which means we're spending a lot more time together in the evenings, which is usually when I'm working. So definitely feeling that so I'm, I'm not sure how much feedback i have uh this week but yeah it's it's good we're definitely in the holiday mood maybe i'll get there next week then my kids are still in school so they've got this week uh-huh. and got next week so that maybe that's what it is that's what i need to trigger my holiday spirit i don't know but uh just got back from california too that was kind of fun oh. uh we I t- my son plays volleyball and uh, he's on a club team. So you've got the school teams that you play with, you know, with your school and then you've got extra club teams that you try out for and make. And he, he made one. Uh, it's like the top team for the club that he's in for his age group. And they had a tournament in Anaheim, California. So we drove over there. It's about six hours. Uh, it was torture though, because it is within walking distance of Disneyland, which is my favorite place. Oh man. But we couldn't go to Disneyland. So, <laughs> We just looked at it from afar, and but it was fun. He uh, he did well, and their team got fifth place out of uh, around thirty teams. So they, they played pretty well, and that oh, was fun. Nice. Got to spend some one-on-one time with him. He's fifteen, uh, you know, so it's that age where they're a lot more independent. Yes. You're not quite as not quite as cool as you you used to be as a parent, but he, he's uh, he's a good yeah. kid. So it was fun. It's funny you say that because I think most of my time over the last two weeks has been my son's turning 15 in March. Um, and a lot of it, you know, since he's been on holiday, that's where a lot of my spare time has gone into just realizing I'm not spending as much time with him as I should. So we, we've started running together, you know, because he needs to get out and get exercise and, you know, just for his mental health. So, and that's that's right up my street. So this is something that we, we've tried off and on again to do together, but we're, we're trying to make a better go of it this time. So that's where a lot of my time went. Can you, can you talk when you run or are you like me? You're just totally out of breath. (laughs) 
Well, I don't know what your son is like, but uh, my son does the talking for both of us. So, <laughs> I mean, this last run that we went on, he um, we, we we watched the Dune movie together, what was it, two or three weeks ago. Um, and now he's getting into the books. So, like, when we go on a run, he's just like a nonstop verbal machine telling me about what's happening in the books and how it relates to the movies and the background to all the characters. I'm, I'm getting the 411 and all the Dune mythology <laughs> from my that's son cool. when we go for a run. Oh, that's and be it's a really long... interesting because I think it's distracting him from, from the actual running and getting tired part. Mm. <laughs> that's what I need when I run as a distraction. Boy, then it's going to be a really long two years in between each movie that he's going to have to wait <laughs> to see the other movies, right? Yeah, but I mean, he's he's getting into the book, so he's probably going to get a good idea about uh, what's coming. So I think it's less, I guess, you know what's coming um, yeah. rather than, say, movies that you don't know at all, like the new Matrix movie that's coming out. Like, we, who knows if that's going to be good or terrible <laughs> or because <laughs> the trailers are not giving us any indication. I mean, so yeah. we'll see how that turns out. I'm not too optimistic. I I don't know. <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> but we're looking yeah. forward to the new Spider-Man movie, though, which is coming out. I think the first show is on Thursday. Um, we're actually going away for the weekend, which is going to be like uh, we've got to wait a bit, couple more days to actually get to see the film. But, um, yeah, that's something that we're looking really looking forward to. Are, are there more Spider-Man versions in movies than there are Batman at this point? Because, I mean, Batman, there's like – Four reboots, oh, and it feels the same with Spider-Man. I've, I've lost count. I think each uh, DC and Marvel are trying to, you know, make their the most out of their money spinners on all mediums. Um, so it's not just one Spider-Man. It's like Miles Morales and Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy and all these different Spider-Men and girls and pigs, if you're into that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to keep track of. Um, yeah. But entertaining, so, yeah. I suppose yeah, it's, it's, if it keeps making money, they'll just keep making more versions of the same thing, right? Yeah, I guess so. So what's uh, what's new? What Did you start on uh, App Store Front? Is that what you got to do this past two weeks? Uh, well, I think technically I did. Um, when we got off the call last time, I still had one or two bug fixes to do for remote time. Um, so I actually, <laughs> the very next day, found quite a critical bug that has to do with date times and UTC and all the rest. It seems like... That is the one Hydra thing that keeps on, you know, you think you've sold one and then you find another two bugs. Yeah. Um, always fun working with time zones and stuff. Um, but yeah, like it took a while to find the source, but I finally fixed it and shipped a, a release to all the app stores. And yeah, I did, I did manage to do a little bit of work on app store front, not as much as I'd hoped to do. I, I was planning on getting all the cloud storage sorted and then just wiring that up to the UI, but um I think I probably only managed to get halfway through the cloud storage stuff. Um, and, you know, like all the other time went to family stuff, which which I'm okay with. You know, I think um, if yeah. anyone was following me on Twitter, they would have seen that I'm I'm quite passionate about this time of year being all about family and just taking, you know, because you're you're in the, the zone of sh- like your schedule throughout the year. You know, this is how much work I want to do and that kind of thing. And for us, I mean, because we have summer and Christmas at the same time, I know you guys in the States have your main, I guess, break in the summertime in the middle of the year. And then Thanksgiving and New Year is kind of uh, less of a holiday, but we have everything all in one. Um, so for us as a family, anyway, we we take this time just to 
change up the schedule, make sure we're focusing on the right things, um, and then you know start the the year fresh and with new energy, which which I really need because you know as an indie dad working you know from the hours of say ten in the evening till about one in the morning most evenings. Um, that that takes its toll. So you know, after twelve months, it's it's good to take a break and just change that up a bit and spend more time with the kids and more time sleeping. You know, and yeah. not stressing out too much. I <laughs> see there's there was quite a few tweets on Twitter saying, "Oh, you know, you can get ahead of everybody else if you work it extra hard during the festive season while everybody else is taking a break." It's like, well, I don't know. That seems to me like kind of missing the point. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, we take it. We take a good break this time of year. That sounds like uh, hustle culture, like the you know just work hard and you'll succeed kind of nonsense that I just don't buy into either. I think you know I might like I said my son's fifteen, my daughter's seventeen. She's talking about going away to college in a year, and it just blows my mind how wow. fast the time goes by. You know, and you only have That's a few, crazy. a few you know Christmas or summer breaks or whatever with them. So, um, I don't know. I, I think it's time well spent. And I've speaking of Twitter, I feel pretty selfish because, uh, you know, a lot of the things that I learned when I started out on this kind of indie journey, I learned from Twitter. And then once I finally got some traction on something, I kind of went quiet and silent on Twitter <laughs> because it's like, it's, yeah. It's because I'm busy. I mean, I'm doing all kinds of stuff, but I'm not uh, sharing what I've learned. So I feel pretty guilty about that. I need to get better. I think maybe that'll be one of my goals for this next two weeks is get back into the swing of things. Because, man, it is that, that, the community there. I, I, indie Hackers as well. Both of those are yeah, yeah, you know, gr- fantastic. And I owe so much to them. So I, I need to get back and share some of the things that I've learned. But, well, at um, least Indie Dads is keeping you honest, right? So, you, I mean, yeah. you have the standing appointment where you have to give back every two weeks. Yeah. Tell people what you've been yeah. up to. Yeah, hopefully. So, how, is, how has that been? It's uh, It's been pretty good. I mean, hopefully some of the stuff that I share here is useful and, um, you know, people do get something out of it. But if nothing else, it's just fun. I think we like we've talked about, we do it anyway, even if yeah. we only had one person listening. But um the past two weeks, so you know, last time my last update was we had launched the new lead gen site. Uh, you know, our business is, is basically a lead gen agency using Google Ads, and I had launched it, and there was like nothing. It was crickets. It was really scary. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, after Google figured out what we were doing based on what I told that we were trying to do, um, things clicked and it started taking off. And and that's just been like gr- fantastic ever since then. In fact, uh, you know, every time we get a new client. I set up uh, an AdWords campaign for them modeled after the ones that I've already created and that we found it to be mm-hmm. successful. Uh, and we're always refining, so it gets better over time. Um, in the past, it's taken – well, originally before I joined, back when they were really figuring out how to do things, it would take them four to six weeks of just running ads for there to get any traction. Oh, wow. And uh, you know, that's $100, $200 a day times – four weeks, four to six weeks. So it's pretty expensive to get started. Um, but their clients were okay with it because they, they knew about, you know, the upside of PPC. So they were willing to pay that. And then, uh, we got better or that, you know, they figured things out and then I came on board and I did a really super deep dive into the data, found the things that worked throughout the junk that didn't work. And we got it down to the, to about two weeks. So you start That's a new amazing. campaign 
And about two weeks uh, later, you know, you start getting a pretty good flow. Well, I, I kept digging and I kept refining. Uh, and this may change because everything always changes with Google Ads. Like <laughs> yeah. It's never the same. But don't I got it now. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to jinx it, but it's happened a few times now. So it's like, you know, one is lucky, two is maybe a fluke, three is the beginning of a pattern. And it's happened yeah. now several times. A few weeks ago, I launched a new campaign and I thought, well, I want to get this one a, a little bit of a head start. So I'm going to turn it on a, a day early, a night, you know, the evening before it was really supposed to launch. <laughs> and within an hour, we had a lead. And that's amazing. A few other hours, you know, wow. the next morning we had more. So basically the, the downtime or the uh, ramp up time was time. almost yeah. zero. Uh, and I thought, well, wow, that was really lucky. So then I did the same thing again with another one and it happened again. First day, boom, we got leads. And so now that's kind of the norm. So we went from six weeks down to, you know, less than 12 hours for leads to start flowing. And part of it is, uh, you know, Google trusts the site that we use for lead gen now. It's more... Uh, yeah. consistent with what it sends us and all that. So it's it kind of like a flywheel, you know, it builds over time and it's gotten better, but man, it feels good to get to that point. So I've been, so has past that two weeks, um, made any like uh tangible difference to your bottom line? I would imagine it has, but I mean, have you, have you, is there a connection between these, this lead time that has now been so much less to your actual revenue that's coming in? Uh, we charge a flat fee, so not really, but it helps obviously a time with retention because we were bleeding clients before when things were falling apart, when the system wasn't working, yeah, when it took sure. that long to get leads. Uh, and we got down to like three clients <laughs> from many, many more, you know, dozens more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we were on, on uh, life support and when I came in and fixed it all, uh, we got more clients and they started seeing results right away. Once they see those results and then they make, you know, six X return on their investment, they're hooked. Oh, wow. They're not going anywhere. So yeah. then we're able to spend all our efforts on acquisition instead of retention before it was all retention. hundred percent of our, our time was spent on that. So indirectly, yes, because we're able to spend more time on getting new clients. And then when we're pitching them, we're doing a sales call. Um, you know, I join those sales calls. Uh, I'm not the sales guy, but I'm there to answer technical questions and I'll show them the site and just having a technical person there on the call um, just instantly builds their trust. Even though they don't really know me from anyone else, they realize that PPC is very technical and um, getting this system working is obviously very technical. And so that builds a lot of trust. Yeah. So I guess indirectly it definitely has. And now we can start to, I mean, we can explore other billing models um, instead of a flat fee. Maybe it's a fee per lead or something along those lines. It's more dynamic so that if we do better, they do better or if the other way around. If they do better, we yeah. do better. Yeah. Um, but, but um, first we want to kind of get to default alive, live and profitable, and then we'll start looking into that stuff. Cool. So I mean a while we a while ago we talked about your I guess founders agreement um and you you'd gone away and you'd had a meeting and you'd come like had a verbal agreement with uh, your business partner has that evolved since then or has it just been heads down in operations has there been any anything in writing um any kind of like definite goals that you've set when or milestones that you reach where those things will be actioned uh, it has 
time's gone by really quick. So it has been pretty much heads down. Um, very, we're, we're very clear on the ag- agreement. Um, but we're probably going to do something in writing in January or so. And I know there's probably people screaming at me, no, get it in writing now, but uh, I'm okay. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I, I I'm hold- not so worried about the January part. It's the also part that, <laughs> that, that I put a question mark on. Look, if, it, if there isn't a definite date or an agreement, like by a certain time, normally what you find is what's been going on, right? So you, you're just, like, you get so busy and you just, oh, just one more client, just three more clients yeah, yeah. or whatever. I mean, it doesn't have to be a date. It could be like, uh, let's hit 3x revenue from where we are now and, and then we can, we know we're on a good track and this is a good thing and let's put it in writing. But it kind of feels yeah. like it's a little bit up in the air as to when and how. Yeah, and it's, it's I don't want to be like nonchalant about it, but it's, um not in a huge rush to do it in December specifically, for example. I mean, there's the holidays. We've got to meet with the lawyer. Yeah. We've got to get on their calendar and all that kind of stuff. Plus, um, as I said before, not to pat myself on the back, but this is a technical company. I mean, it's doing Google PPC. It's all the technical stuff that's involved with setting up a lead gen site. I hold the keys to the kingdom in my hand. Like without me right now, they couldn't do what they're doing. We, uh, Before I joined, they were outsourcing everything. Now that I'm here, we're not outsourcing anything. So if I were to get run over by a bus or win the lottery or whatever metaphor you want to use and disappeared, yeah. they'd be in a lot of trouble. So I, I feel like I have a pretty good amount of leverage and I'm not worried about them. They're, you know, Greg in particular, my uh, business partner, he's, he's a, an awesome guy. It's just a matter of, it feels more like a formality right now, but we'll get it done uh, early next year. So yeah, but, you know, I guess it's yeah. just from someone you know outside looking in. I don't know Greg. I don't know you know what kind of person he is, and you do. So you're in like a much more better position to do that in. I mean, just the I guess the thing that prompted the question was I think earlier in the week I was um, now that I'm actually looking at freelancer forums and that kind of thing, and uh, I think one of the Reddit forums I'm uh, more like voyeuring in and, and actually contributing much. But one of the questions was around. Uh, business agreements and founders and things like that. And there was actually a fair amount of feedback from the technical guys that have been screwed over. They they start the company and they they help build it and then they get a lot of traction with clients. And because nothing was ever in writing, um, it's the they just, you know, there's like all of a sudden there's a 360 turn from from all the, the business partners and then there's investors involved and that kind of thing. So I I guess, you know, the 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 road is always paved with good intentions, um, mm-hmm. but you know if you have something in writing, then obviously, then that's at least taken out. I'm not saying like yeah, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying do it now and get it in December, but I just think it's it's in your best interest to have something definite that you know that it's not going to be indefinitely pushed out. Yeah, no, it's if anyone's pushing it out, it's just me, uh, not pushing forward, I guess, but. Yeah, I, I, I get it. And there's there's risk and I'm assuming that risk by not rushing out today, but we'll get it done in probably January. Uh, so um, in the meantime, we'll keep doing what we're doing. Um, still not getting paid, you know, so there's there's also that aspect to it. It's like, yeah, there's not, there's not a whole so lot runway. of motivation. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's not a whole lot of motivation to get something signed when there's nothing really on the line other than my time. But uh, in the future, you know, there there will be more so better to get that in place now yeah but um right now you know past two weeks for me for example 
was basically what I would call gardening. When you've got an AdWords account, you know, Google's always experimenting with your keywords and sending you traffic that you may or may not want. And you've got to kind of yeah. do some gardening with uh, the parameters that you set on the campaign. So I've been doing a lot of that kind of operation stuff. Um, and we want to get to the number of clients that we need to be able to pay each of us in order to do that. Um, we need a facelift on the, on the site that I've been kind of working on that as well so that people see that we're a, we're a 2.0. So we can actually go back to um, you know, the dozens and dozens of former clients that uh, kind of gave up when things started falling apart technically and say, Hey, we fixed all this. Go ahead and come yeah. back. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, you know, we're, we're all set to knock us out of the park this time. And so that's kind of an easier sell than finding someone cold, uh, you know, that has never heard of us before. So I'm pretty confident about being able to get to the number of clients that we need by say March, which isn't very far off. It's only, you know, three months, but uh, we just need a sharper looking kind of uh, marketing page. And and that's not going to be a whole lot of effort. And then I'll probably take it easy during the rest of December. Not going to do a whole lot like you. So that's an interesting thing that you're saying. Um, you know, I guess as as someone who's building a product, you're always weighing up these two things. If you if you have existing customers, so I'm not weighing up these things at the moment. Um, but the the whole thing about new customer acquisition versus existing customer retention, and uh, from you know all the the reading and stuff that I've been doing, uh, the general wisdom seems to be that you look after churn. It's a lot easier. Um, for your, especially in a, in a, like a subscription software as a service kind of business setup, it's, you know, that does a lot better for your bottom line than what it does in your customer acquisition. But do you have any thoughts on there? Like in the, in the different stages, like when you're just starting out and you have say less than 10 customers, uh, how, how do you look at, uh, customer acquisition versus uh, customer retention? How does well, that play other- in your mind? Yeah, the other variable in that formula is what your sales process is like. We've got really high touch sales process, so mm. it takes a lot of effort and a lot of calories and a lot of uh, you know meetings and um, I guess just effort to get people in the door. So once they're in the door, keeping them there is really important and, and it's worth the extra time. But if I had a ten dollar a month SaaS. I would focus 100% on acquisition first. Get people in the door, get that flow going. If you lose some, so be it. It's $10 a pop as opposed mm-hmm. to thousands. Um, you know, just let let them go a little bit in the beginning uh, because that is easier to fix. The harder challenge, I think, is getting them in the door in the first place. To so solve the harder problem of acquisition first, if you're low touch sales or no, you know, no touch sales, um, get that going, and then you can dial up the retention. Uh, knob, uh, you know, and kind of basically uh, get more lifetime value, I guess, out of the people that you've already got. That that's not a hard. That, that's a lot easier than getting them in the, yeah. in the first place. I mean, that kind of makes sense because when you're starting on a new product, you want you you don't know what your distribution channels going. Well, most of the time, you don't know what your most effective distribution channel is going to be. Uh, is, is it you know social media? Is it uh, cold emailing? You know, there's there's just so many. As I've discovered over my last like three or four weeks, looking at marketing channels and things, there's just so many things you could be doing, and it's not really scientific as to which one's going to work for you. 
So yeah. I, I guess what you're saying is makes sense. Like figure out that distribution channel first, what really works, what gets your customers in the door. And then when you have, when you found the thing that works and you're getting customers in the door, then, then make sure that you're, you know, talking to them and making sure that, that their needs are being met and that kind of thing, which is, which speaks to the churn. Yeah. And then once you figure out how to get them in the door, that also influences what you do next. Because for us, for example, most of our clients are referrals of other clients. Or mm. we go to a, you know, some one of our clients will go to their mastermind or their some seminar, they'll mention us, and then all of a sudden we get two or three new clients from that. So it's not um, maybe ironically, we're not doing PPC, we're not doing SEO, we're not doing all these other things. We're making sure that our current clients are happy because then they refer other clients. So actually part of our acquisition is is also retention, making sure that they're mm. the ones we have are happy. And that's that's why we spend so much time doing that. So it's interesting that you mentioned that. Have, do you guys have any sort of affiliate program going? If your if your main thing is word of mouth and um, would it make, are you doing that or we, something that yeah. you considered? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's uh, even though you end up paying them, I, I don't know, a couple hundred a month for some referral that they made years ago. That's that's a new client that you would have never had otherwise. Uh, other than their word of mouth or uh, referral. So it's totally worth doing. We have a few refer referral um, affiliates, I guess. And most of them are for either former clients or people that have their own PPC thing going on, but they understand the value of what we do. And so they send people our way. Oh, nice. So, yeah. And we want to get more into that. That's one thing we need to do. It's kind of informal right now. It's all like, you know, done through Excel, like how much do we owe this person? You know, here's this really simple formula on, on Excel. So we need to get more scientific about that probably and ramp that up. Yeah. So this is uh, episode 10 and also our last episode for 2021. Oh, yeah. I thought we were still in 2020. I was stuck in there. Um, so I think, I don't know if anybody's interested in the stats, but in the 10 episodes since we've launched, I think hopefully on the day that this episode airs, we should very easily hit a thousand downloads, which is like, I didn't think we would get that, but that's really cool. Um, yeah. And maybe my opportunity just to have a call to action. If anybody's listening and you're mildly entertained and you have a, you know, more than three people following you on Twitter. Why don't you just, you know, mention Indie Dads underscore on your Twitter account and help us out with getting the word out there. And, you know, there's a lot of parents doing this and doing the hard yards. And I think it's, it just makes sense for, for people to be sharing their stories. So, I mean, speaking of which, uh, I think, what, what are our plans for next year, Brian? You given any yeah, thoughts I mean, to that? <laughs> we, we spoke a little bit about it last week or last time. Yeah. Yeah, we we don't just want to share our stories. We want to uh, we want to share the stories of all the people that are in the same position because we know that there are a lot of people out there. I think we were even surprised by the reception that we got to this podcast. So many people saying, "I'm also an indie parent. I'm an indie mom or an indie dad, trying to do the yeah. same thing. I've been doing it for so long." And I be, before I I knew that there were others out there, but I felt a lot more alone. Um, I felt, I, I'm like, am I just crazy trying to do this? Should I just give up? Because it feels like everyone else is just happy doing their own, you know, going to a nine to five and, and here I am just 
um, telling everyone that I'll never be happy until I'm doing my own thing. What is wrong with me? Yeah. Turns out there's a lot of us. And so I think this next year, we, we definitely want to get into more guests and more um, kind of branching out a little bit more than we have now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, 100% with you. And and even when you're, I guess, part of some, either it's Twitter community or, or indie hackers, um, the, the kinds of stories that get shared are usually like, oh, I'm making $1,000 a month or $5,000 a month, where, you know, for those of us who, who have a product out there and really haven't gotten the revenue model turning, I think there are a lot, but it's not, that story isn't shared and what it takes to get through there. And usually those people that that are very vocal about what they're doing have some sort of extenuating circumstances around, you know, I spent six months in my room building this product and now it's working, you know, kind of thing. Or I lived with my parents or my wife had a full-time job. So um, it, it's not easy being an indie parent and having this passion for entrepreneurship and building your own thing. Um, but like you're saying, I think there's a lot of people out there. So. It'll yeah. be. It's, I'm. I'm really excited to to hear uh, other stories um, about what people are doing and you know that we can learn from each other. Yeah, it's classic uh, survivorship bias. You only hear from the people that that made it, and then even then, uh, the people that are more likely to make it are the people that have, I would say, fewer maybe maybe fewer responsibilities. You know, they're they've got more yeah. time on their hands. They've got maybe more capital or whatever, more connections or whatever. So you only hear from them. Nobody wants to read a story of how I failed. Uh, but maybe we should want to hear more of those because that's, you know, that's what you learn from. So I'm totally with you yeah. on that. Yeah. I saw something in the week where, uh, you know it seems to be like a twitter thing that you if you're in SaaS, you there's this like formula that you have to follow you know you have to tweet content every day and you need to make threads and i'm just like i don't that's not in me i, I can't do that but one of the things that i saw was well if you have time then you do this uh, and if you have money then you do this i was like well I'm a pair entrepreneur. I don't have time or money. <laughs> what the what the hell do I do? <laughs> yeah, you, you, you scrape and you, you you scratch and you just make it one one little victory at a time. I think is what you do. Yeah, tough, and, I mean, you start out and you think, well, oh man, where do I find time to build the product? And you you are so well. At least for me, I was so focused on building something that is of value. That I, when I got almost to the finish line, and after what two years of building, because you know it's only a couple hours a week, uh, then all of a sudden coming to this realization that wait, there's this whole marketing thing, and I really should have <laughs> known about this because I studied marketing when I left school. So, but now I was like, well, ain't nobody's going to use your product if you don't tell them about it. So, no, it's a whole new area to think about. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's a big thing. So yeah. if we think about 2022 do you have any i guess broad goals you've got this runway that you've set out for yourself that obviously runs out sometime next year um so have you given any thought to what what you'd like to achieve next year just generally speaking as far as SaaS and business goes i am definitely a goal-driven person i always set goals for myself and push toward those goals uh sometimes to my detriment sometimes I have to remind myself that they're made up goals that I just pulled out of thin air for myself. But, you know, for some reason this next year, I'm just kind of a wait and see mode. I definitely, so 
I've given myself until March to either like as a go, no go date by March 1st, I'm going to either real, I'm going to either be able to say, this is a go. We're able to pay me. You know, I'm able to pay myself. This is sustainable or I need to either figure out, uh, you know, a a freelance or contractor or full-time gig uh, after that. And I'm not too worried about that because I, you know, it's a good market right now to find a new, a new something. Uh, I, I am a hundred percent set on continuing to work from home, work remotely. I, you know, now that uh, I've got a couple of years experience doing this, there's just no going back for me personally. Some people love being in the office, but me, I, I love being at home. I love being able to walk out of my office here and talk to my kids or make a sandwich yeah. or take the dog for a walk. You know, that nothing compares to that. So I, I guess that's one of my goals is to keep doing this. Um, and I, I kind of, I think everything else will depend on what happens by March. If I am able to keep doing this full time, then I'll set some goals. Uh, and they'll, they'll be business related goals. I, I think, um, you know, personal goals are, I need to come up with the, some of those. They're definitely going to be around spending more time with the kids, more quality time with the kids, because I do find my, I catch myself working a little bit later than I should. Like if the kids are home from school and their homework's done, I should be playing a game of checkers or something with them, you know, not fiddling around on my computer. So I'll probably make a goal yeah. around quality time. Um, and uh, I, you know, health and fitness and all that. I need, I do it every year. So does everybody else, but I need to find a way to make it better than it was last year. Um, you know, so it's that kind of thing for me. I I still have to figure it out. I guess I'm giving you, uh, not a real straight answer, but I'll figure it out. I'll I'll come back with, uh, some real concrete ones. I think next time. Yeah. Well, you've got a couple of, a couple of weeks till our next episode. So yeah. You give some time to think about that over the new years. Yeah, what about yeah, you? Yeah, I, I think for for me, uh, I'm also very much a to do list guy. Yeah, I think the first independent app that I shipped to a store was a to do application. <laughs> Funny enough, I think every all of us developers write one of those somewhere along the lines in our <laughs> career. But, um, and I also like threes. So normally, um, as goals for the year, I like to think of like what they call big, hairy, audacious goals, big BHAGs. Um, so what are the, I was thinking, what are the three goals that I'd like to achieve? And, and it's, look, it's, it's not set in stone, but it's, I think it's always good uh, to plan something. At least you, you're, you're shooting at something. And if that changes, then that's great. But if you're not shooting at something, then you're just, you know, faffing around uh, with no direction. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think 2021 was all about getting an MVP and, and delivering some sort of value in a product and, and this, you know, this whole marketing thing that's now has reared its head in the last month or two has kind of shaped what next year is going to look like. So uh, very definitely revenue-driven. So I would love uh, – and the idea of these goals is that they're stretch goals. They shouldn't be really easy to hit. So I want to get to 100 paying customers by the end of next year. Um, as far as marketing goes, uh, that would be uh, an SEO website, um, plus some sort of, I guess, free feature that is available without downloading the app. Um, so the current thinking is that's, uh, I guess a one page portfolio website that, uh, freelancers can just generate and, and point potential clients to. 
uh, there were other things I was thinking of, like a job board or um, you know those kinds of things. But so, but that's what the current thinking is. Um, and then from a technical spec perspective, just to get more reach, uh, I want to be able to move from uh, mobile only to uh, desktop clients as well. So wherever you are at, you should be able to run remote time, um, which kind of makes the need for a web interface a little bit less. I, I still think there is definitely a need for There's a reason why the very saturated market in the, in the freelancer space, all of them are pretty much web apps with mobile apps as a tack on. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like doing it the other way around just because that's where my technical expertise is. But yeah, definitely okay. more reach in terms of technical ability. Um, and there's always features to think of. So, but I think that's more around, you know, getting getting to know customers more. Because as soon as I get, you know, five, ten paying customers, that means I have emails uh, to talk to customers and get feedback and and let them inform whatever I'm doing next. So, how are you gonna walk me through your plans to get to a hundred? In other words, how are you gonna prevent showing up again in December? Uh, and having like 95 to go, what, what's your work back plan there? Yeah, so I think 100 is a stretch goal and it's a bit difficult to think in terms of big numbers like that. So um, I prefer to think in like really small iterations first. So what do I do to get the first five? And once you've got five, then what do you do to make that 10? Um, so right now, uh, getting your first customers has to do with discoverability. So that means the website has to be discoverable and the, the apps have to be discoverable. So that's mostly concentrating on um, on the SEO and the, the marketing website. Uh, I have had a slight uptick in um, emails that I get when people sign up to the app. They have an optional button that says, let me know if there are any product updates. Uh, if, if they don't turn that on, then all the data is private. But if they turn that on, I get an email. Um, so I think over the last three or four months, it's been like two emails and then three emails. And then the last three days, I've gotten three already. So that seems like there's a slight uptick in that. So that's that's like my first beachhead of just emailing those people who are using the app and saying, hey, you know, just a personal email and saying, what are you using it for? Is there anything I can do? And you know, because customer engagement—it's that's the name of the game. You can you can throw stats and SEO and all these fancy words. If you if you boil it down, it's like talk to your customers, and that's what I have so, to start doing. Awesome. So I didn't know you had that. So you've got—I mean—are you comfortable sharing how many of those emails you've got? Yeah, what, well, I can, I can have a look size? right now. Uh, what does my dashboard say here? I've got it in. I've, so what it's what it does is it just uh, adds a row to a, a public Google sheet. Mm -hmm. So whenever people have that switch turned on when they're signing up, it just sends their email and their occupation to my Google sheet. And at the moment, there are technically twenty six, but. Uh, six or seven of those are actual people I know, so they don't count. So let's let's call it twenty <laughs> people that I okay. have emails for that I can like just send cold emails to and say, "Hey, did you use it? You're not using it. Why not? You know, yeah, customer engagement. So, so you've got you're you're sending out a kind of a, a manual single email shortly after they sign up, just to ask what they're. Using it for and all that well, that's stuff. the plan. So I'm not doing that yet, right? I'm oh. only getting their emails, 
um, okay. for for you know the intention there was for product updates and that kind of thing. But you know with the, how important customer engagement is getting. It's like well, there's no reason why I shouldn't just manually email them when they signed up. Yeah, and the one thing I would say is, uh, as far as working that into your plans, make sure you keep those that email list warm too. Whether it's a once a month newsletter that's just uh, you know a couple sentences or something like that, mm, keep them. Mm. Otherwise, what what happens from what I've seen is you don't email them, and then when you do have something like six months down the road to share that's really exciting, you email them and they all unsubscribe because they don't remember who you were or how you got their email, and then that's really it feels counterproductive because it's like, oh man, I shouldn't have emailed them. <laughs> but if you just send them an email once a month, you know, uh, reminding them of who you are, that they're on the list, some might still unsubscribe, but if they don't, then you know that they actually are interested and they want to, they care. So you can, whether that's an email a newsletter or a drip, whatever, like emails, especially when they've opted in like that are gold. Like that's awesome. Um, and then the other thing I would add is I know you're very much like privacy is important and you don't want to be the sleazy sales guy. Have you ever thought of reversing the, that setting and making it opt out instead of opt in? Uh, so it's actually default to, yes, I do want to know. Okay, good. Uh, okay. So when they're on the sign up, that switch is turned on and then okay. they have to turn it off to not get the emails. Okay, uh, which good. I still feel a bit guilty about, but <laughs> but that's no, the no. only way that I can I can get emails on. But um, yeah, so that is turned on. So um, that's the very first thing is to I don't even have a tool in mind yet, whether it's Mailchimp or whatever you know mm-hmm. people use to to do um, sub- newsletters and subscriptions and that kind of thing. That's I still have to turn my Google Sheet into something that's a little bit more automated, um, where I can get people. The, you know the email added to that list automatically, and then yeah. when I do send it out, that they have an option to unsubscribe because I don't want to have an, a manual email list, and then people's like, oh, "I'm not interested," and then I'm still spamming him the whole time. So that's that's not good. So yeah, yeah that's that's I, probably one of the first things I've got to figure out. Well, I, I was going to say I know it's tempting to build a, an automated system to do all that because it's the fun coding stuff, but I actually think it's the right thing to do to just keep it manual right now. Send them. You know, copy and paste 26 emails if you've got to every month or whatever. Um, because this will be a nice problem to have when it becomes an actual problem. Right now, it's not really a problem. So you've got bigger fish to fry. But the fact that you, yeah. you've got these emails is like uh, marketing gold. It's, it's awesome. It's cool. Um, that's what we don't have on my side and that we need to do. We've experimented with like, Screen scraping, you know, the uh, different websites that have lists of real estate investors and sending cold emails and stuff like that. uh, And it just doesn't work versus having their email and they know who you are. It's just like a world of difference. So we need to get better at that, too. So I'm I'm pointing four fingers back at myself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds like you got the Google ads pretty much dialed in. So I guess that frees you up to start thinking a little bit outside of that space in terms of what else is going to like turn the dial for you. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I, I wouldn't call myself an expert, but we've got a lot of really practical experience and it is working now. Um, And you also have to fight the temptation to constantly be tweaking those knobs because if you think about yeah. it being a, you know, it's a, a giant machine learning application. You don't want to constantly be changing the variables on them. Uh, you need to give it time to bake. So um, that's, 
that's true. I think we do have some time to think about other things now, including marketing and you know e- email drip campaigns and getting people in the door, things like that. So that's what uh, we'll probably start with next year a little bit more. Yeah, I think I'll definitely be interested to know, you know, because that seems like the the Google Ads are your primary source of focus. It'd be interesting to know how your thought process goes around what 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 supports that, you know, what enhances that in terms of the kind of product that you're building. So well, the one of the things that I know we have to do is we have to help people understand that they can't just show up. Um, fund a Google ads campaign for a couple of months. And if it's not working, go away. We have data that shows from, you know, the past uh, hundreds of clients that we've had that uh, it takes like, there's a, a dip. You're actually negative in your profit. Your, your cash negative cash flow negative for three months. And then all of a sudden it picks up, but you have to go through that dip where it looks unprofitable before it really starts picking up. And so I think a big part of this next phase of what we're going to have to do is show people where they're at on that map. Like, Hey, you're in the dip right now. Don't worry. It's going to go back up. Here's about when we predict it can be. And we can predict that now because we have enough data to do that. So we can kind of give them a map of where they are in that journey. But none of that exists right now. I mean, outside of Excel, which, you know, is fine for now. But uh, we want to um, make that a little bit more automatic so that uh, they understand. They can log into some dashboard and see where they're at and what to expect next and all that. Then we can scale. Like at that point, we can start to get more hands off. Yeah, and I mean, I've been uh, on your guys' website, and it's—I mean, there's, it's a lot of—it's very copy-heavy, um, mm-hmm. and it sounds like there is there's a process to understand for somebody who's coming in completely new, right? They land on the website, they mm-hmm. they need to understand how this process works. Have you guys thought of any sort of visual media, like an explainer video or something like that, just to like more transparently explain, like if you sign up with us, this is this is what happens. Exactly. That's exactly what we need to do. Uh, we've been, I say we as if I've been doing it for a long time, but I'm kind of, <laughs> uh, I've been immersed in it, I guess, over the past few months. So I feel like I have been around longer than I have. But um, when you've been doing something for a long time, it's easy to forget the things you don't know and yeah. and the things that you assume. And so that's what we've got to fix is look at this from an outsider, from someone's point of view, where they, they have no idea how this works. They've never done Google ads before. It's really intimidating. It's technical. They hear it works, sure. but they don't know how. And so we've got to do a much better job at explaining that. It is copy heavy, most kind of for an SEO angle, but, um, and also because we just still need to distill it down into something simpler. Cool. Well, do you have a dad joke for us, Brian? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it kind of relates to, uh, to Christmas, actually, uh, you know, I, I'm I, I, I'm so bad at buying presents. I'm I'm awful. First of all, when I get one uh, for my kids or whatever, I want to give it to them right away. I I can't. It's so hard for me to wait. We got our Christmas shopping done by December first magically. I don't know how. Well, Amazon is how. But um, uh, and we 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 wrapped everything and put it in the closet and hid it because if I if I see it, I just want to give it to them right away. But my wife is so hard to shop for because she's very practical. So, you know, she anything that's just for fun isn't as fun for her. Um, but I'm not going to like buy her a vacuum or something like that. You know, cliche that that's awful. Yeah, that's that horrible. doesn't feel right. 
Like I, I wouldn't want her to buy me a screwdriver or whatever stereotypical thing, you know? So it's really hard. And I, I just keep failing at that. And I'm just so bad at it. You know, the last thing I got her, she said, the next thing you get me, I'm going to burn. So I got her a candle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this one. You're she up in your game, Brian. You're getting the whole story in. I feel like the, the bar has been lifted. Well, it's all yeah. true about that giving away presents part. I, I um, yeah. Well, I, I almost said what I got my son, but then I realized maybe he listens to the podcast. I don't know. So I, I better stop myself, but uh, I'm pretty excited for this Christmas. It'll be fun. What about you? Well, yeah. I mean, it, 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 we didn't, I mean, we were hunting our, our dad jokes and we didn't tell each other what it was, but mine <laughs> is like great minds think alike. It's also Christmas related, but I don't have a, a nice story to go with it. But I can ask you, why did Santa's helper feel sad? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. He had low alpha steam. <laughs> Does that happen with elves? I, I don't know. I mean, watching, uh, what's that movie with Buddy the Elf? Oh, that, that's yes. a classic. That's, I think, isn't it just called Elf? It might be. Yeah, maybe sure. it's just called Elf. They all seem pretty happy, but uh, yeah, an, an elf with low alpha steam, that's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> That makes me want to go watch yeah. Elf now. That's become a classic. My favorite part of that movie is when he goes in the elevator and there's some poor guy in there and he pushes a light and he realizes it looks like a Christmas tree light. So he's like, Christmas tree. And he like <laughs> pulls, runs his hands over all the buttons and the guy's just looking at him like, what the heck? <laughs> Such a good oh, movie. Man. It is a classic. All right. Well, enjoy your, your holiday and your Christmas and your break and and uh, i guess we'll talk to you next year yeah same to you brian i hope you and the family have an awesome christmas and a new year and to everybody listening in spend time with your family and enjoy the festive season yeah all right we'll talk to you later see ya cheers if you enjoyed this episode and you want an easy way to support us We'd love it if you reviewed this podcast on whichever platform you're using to tune in. If you'd like to ask a question, you can send us an email to hello at IndieDads.com or message us directly on Twitter. You can also find us at IndieDads.com where you can see show notes, links to our Twitter profiles and product websites. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.